Welcome to What the Farm Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts. My name is Rob Sharkey. I'm a farmer from Illinois, and I'm also host of Shark Farmer Radio. And I'm the other co-host, Leslie Kelly, also known as High Heels and Canola Fields, and a wife, a mom, a farmer, and a marketer who lives in Saskatchewan. Yes, you were very good about lining us up with Saskatchewan guest. I'm beginning to think that you do that so that you can dogpile on me. Uh, until you start to reference Saskatchewan, <laughs> then we'll go outside of our four corners. <laughs> four corners. You're an odd rectangle, aren't you? You aren't quite symmetrical. It's a beautiful rectangle. Well, it's so big. It's so massive that it's like the, the curvature of the earth doesn't allow it to be a rectangle. Yeah, we, we're like the, you know, the human body, a little wider on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> You've been drinking already this morning, Leslie? Lighter on the... should be. <laughs> hey, you know what, Leslie Kelly? The high heels, canola fills, a gallon, all that. Do you know the one thing that you and I can't agree on? Uh, how to say Saskatchewan? No, we will never agree on. The one thing that you and I can agree on is that cheese is a wonderful thing. Oh, it is. It's one of my most favorite food groups. <laughs> groups i love how that's plural yeah i like my solid cheeses and my liquid cheeses <laughs> what is your all-time favorite uh not Velveeta. <laughs> okay all right i mean we didn't have to throw hate out i was looking for something more positive but i guess this is the way you want to go i don't know like i love a good parmesan i love a good creamy brie i love a creamy blue cheese and I love an old cheddar. Who, who in the blue hell picks Parmesan as one of their favorites? That's something you dust over pizza. No, no. You cut it into, like, thin pieces. Oh, it's so good. And then eat that with red wine. Mmm. The salty. Oh, so good. Uh, smoked Gouda is my choice. That's what I'm going oh, with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Smoked Gouda and Havarti. Never eaten at Hardee's. Anyway, today you've got you've lined us up a guest from Saskatchewan, but it's okay because it has a, a cheese aspect. So go ahead and introduce who we're going to be interviewing today. Yeah, I'm super excited to have a fellow Saskatchewanian, a fellow Reginian, Alina Young, who I saw a tweet from a couple months ago that I was super intrigued about, and I just loved it. So her tweet said, Hello, I have officially been in business for two years, and apparently... Smile at cheese a lot. Also, if a millennial can open a cheese store in a small market in a recession and pay her staff a living wage, you can too. And she's holding up a piece of cheese, and she has the most beautiful, radiant smile. So I'm super excited to have Alina Young from Takeaway YQR. Yeah, welcome, Alina. Oh, that was the nicest introduction. Thank you for having me, Rob and Leslie. Yeah, it goes downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> Let's not get away from this tweet, because I'm sitting here literally looking at it. And yes, you do. You've got that smile, and it, it just captures, and you're holding that cheese. It just It's a cheese that's kind of marbly. I don't know what it is, but it looks delicious. So what was the thought behind putting that tweet out? Well, it was, in fact, our second birthday here at my shop, which I've always been told is a big milestone for small businesses. If you can make it to two years, you know, you've kind of 
cross the Rubicon, and then the next big hurdle is five. And once you've made it to five, you're almost an institution. So for me, not having a background in business and, you know, essentially opening what's a really niche, strange little retail shop with no background or really kind of sense of whether it was going to flop or flourish. Obviously, I hoped it would flourish. For me, it was a big birthday and I wanted to celebrate. I assumed it was blue cheese. It looked delicious. When I saw that tweet, I wanted to bring you a bottle of wine and celebrate with you and eat all that cheese. And I'm just curious because I haven't been in your store. What is Takeaway YQR? So we are a small gourmet food shop located in the Cathedral neighborhood in Regina. Small, kind of funky little neighborhood with lots of other great shops. I lucked out into a fabulous location. So I'm sandwiched between a chocolate store, a butcher, a bakery, a fish shop, and an Irish pub that serves delicious beer on tap. Sweet. Um, Yeah, we sell gourmet products. We sell as much local stuff as I can get my hands on because that's something I feel really passionately about. And a lot of cheese. But to be honest, the cheese is kind of an accidental success. I always knew we were going to sell cheese, but I thought it would be kind of a casual side hustle that I was really passionate about. But I didn't think Regina was going to be as gung-ho for fromage as they are. There's a lot of words I don't know, but I'm just going to go with it. So (laughs) tell me, I mean, why the cheese? I mean, what made you want to go in this direction? So I'm an import to the prairies. I grew up in eastern Canada. I spent most of my childhood in Quebec. A French-speaking part of Canada uh, has fantastic food around every corner. Uh, It was a very dangerous place to grow up because you start thinking, oh, this is just what the rest of the world is like. All food is, is local and affordable and really made kind of farm to table. And so that's what I was lucky enough to grow up with. And then I went off to school and met a very handsome boy from Regina, Saskatchewan, right around the time I was finishing up my master's. Ended up moving here and Regina is a wonderful place, a lot smaller than the community I'd grown up in. We only have just over 200,000 people. So there were a lot of things that I'd grown up with and I couldn't get anymore living here. You know, you can buy kind of your generic whatever at the grocery store, but one of the things I really missed was cheese, which sounds so silly, but I have always loved it. I think it is a glorious art form of farming and of production. And when I decided to take the jump into small business, I wanted a tiny cheese counter, if only so that I could bring it in and I could buy it, which is probably not a wise business decision, but I figured there'd be enough people who were also passionate about this to allow me to basically get my cheese fix every week or so. So tell me about that jump, because I can only imagine how exciting it is, but also how scary it would be. And you referenced in the tweet, opening a very niche store in a recession. So what was your thought process? Like what helped you get over that hurdle to open and do this? Oh, I wish I had a really inspiring answer, but it's actually that I was really unhappy in my current job. Saskatchewan, 
not sure how much you talk about it every day, although I've picked up on uh, a little bit in uh, this interview so far. Saskatchewan is a uh, really resource-heavy economy from the oil and gas and potash and mining and agriculture. And I used to work in the energy sector. And with the downturn in oil prices, I thought it was maybe a good time to switch jobs. And I'd taken a new job that I was really excited about and made some stupid choices like, you know, taking a pay cut, giving up my parking spot. You gave up parking? (laughs) I know, parking and an office. My new job was one of those open office concepts, which maybe there's people out there who love them, but I just found awful. But anyways, bad decision on my part, as it turns out. So I was just miserable and spent about... 10 months in that job all in. But I remember coming home after I think my first month and just feeling my little soul crumple up and wonder what I was going to do because my work and putting in an honest day's work has always been something I've taken a lot of pride in and kind of uh, has always been really critical to how I think of myself. And it was the first time I'd ever been that miserable. So I basically looked at my options after I was too sad for too long and drinking too many glasses of wine on a Thursday night. So I thought I would either go back to school and do my PhD or open my own business. And I woke up at about four in the morning writing business plans and some grad school applications and decided I would pursue whichever one I heard back from first. And I heard back from my local credit union before I heard back from the university. So Oh, yeah, those guys be all over you. One of the things that I truly, truly respect is someone that goes out and opens their own business because it takes a lot of balls to do it. It takes so much courage because the fear of failure is not to be undermined. It's something that keeps a lot of people from ever trying to do something like this. Did you find that fear of failure ever influencing you one way or another? Oh, absolutely, You know, it's easy to look back on it now and smile, but especially when I had quit my job, I'd signed a lease. I was paying a few thousand dollars a month in rent for uh, what is now my shop, but couldn't get my electrician in when I thought. Somebody phoned in a fake bylaw complaint to our city and all of these delays. Uh, There were a lot of nights where I was up at three in the morning and uh, I think two melodramatic cries that I had that my husband well, had two, to two's not bad. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's. I I think it's just a a part of making that jump. And maybe this is really reckless, but I'm relatively young. I'm 32 now, so I was 30 at the time, and I thought, you know, if I'm going to do something reckless and uh, potentially high risk. This is kind of the time to do it. My husband and I don't have children yet. And so I figured even if I fell completely flat on my face and failed, the only person to bear the brunt of those consequences would be me and obviously my wonderfully supportive partner. So why cheese? How did you decide to go that route? It was honestly one of those things that the market dictated. I bought a very expensive display cooler that originally I had a lot of cheese in, but also a number of takeout meals and things like that. Within the first two weeks of opening my doors, I had completely sold out of cheese. I'd ordered about $2,500 worth of cheese 
for my wholesale cost. And I thought it would maybe take me about a month to sell that. And it was gone within two weeks. And so then I ordered $3,000 worth of cheese. And then I ordered $3,500 worth of cheese. And it kept selling out. So eventually I transitioned away from some of those gourmet takeout meals and uh, just filled up my giant cooler with fine cheese. And I'm very conservative with some of my risk here, but we keep selling out, even though I'm now making seven, $8,000 orders. So it's a demand I honestly didn't think would be there. It's a pierogies and sausage and steak and potatoes kind of town, and I sell weird mm. cheese. So I didn't think <laughs> it would be nearly as widely popular as it is, but a happy accident. I'm curious, how do you choose what cheese you bring into the store? It's a really good question. As much as I say it was a happy accident, I was obviously hoping that uh, Regina had a little bit of a market for this. And eating cheese is something that I've... It sounds like it's such a sad hobby, but it's something I've always done. When I was in university and I was desperately poor, like totally full student loans, working 20 hours a week, but, you know, living on 12 grand a year, if I had a couple pennies to rub together. My roommates and I would buy a box of wine and, uh, you know, $15 worth of cheese, and that would be our feast. And lucky for us, we lived near a a wonderful little bodega that had some great cheese. So I had probably an expensive personal hobby in eating cheese. And then I do research. So what I try and do is I work with great suppliers and great producers But I look at things that are winning World Cheese Awards over in Spain or in Wales, and I always try and buy cheese that has a story. So as silly as that sounds, most of the cheese that we carry isn't the kind of stuff that you can just buy at a grocery store. Not only can you already buy that at a grocery store here in town, but the big companies can bring in way more than I can at a much lower cost. So what I try and do is find the really niche products. So the things that are only made by, say, one dairy farm in Holland. And I will buy direct from the producers, uh, which means it's a little bit more expensive, obviously, because it has come on a plane from Holland or Nova Scotia or wherever. But not only does it taste better, but it makes it easier for me to be passionate about if I know the story and the work and the effort behind every little wheel of cheese. I also find people like to buy cheese with a story. They like to know where it's from and who made it and some fun facts about it. So I really do try and buy the interesting locally made cheeses, whether that local is in Ireland or Spain or Basque country or wherever. So, All right. First of all, did you refer to eating cheese as a hobby? A very expensive hobby. I <laughs> That's say. awesome. Uh, <laughs> no, well done. The thing with the cheese and the story, right? I've got a friend that has a store where he sells olive oil, all things. And you would think, well, that's such a niche and so weird, but he's killing it. He says the same thing. So when you have a party and you're bringing out the olive oil to dip whatever in and you're there in front of all your friends, you get to tell the little story. Well, this comes from a little village and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so it's that whole thing to where you can actually not just have the product that's really good, but the story behind it probably makes everybody want it just a little bit more. Absolutely. And I mean, for parties and entertaining or sad nights on your own, I think cheese is the easiest thing to bring out. Everybody loves it. It takes next to no effort to throw it on a board with a 
bunch of grapes and a little honey or mustard, and everybody is enthusiastic, and you put 10 minutes of effort into it. Yeah, I feel like we're best friends because uh, I always thought cheese was my hobby, too, and I do love a good boxed wine. <laughs> uh, you Canadians. Oh, and you reference. <laughs> and you reference Bodega. So funny story about that. I give full credit to Bodega, the restaurant, because I had the lobster poutine one night, and then about two hours later, I had a baby. <laughs> oh my goodness! Were you pregnant okay, to begin noting with? Noting that down. <laughs> I was pregnant, but I was feeling okay. fine, and I think the the lobster poutine just helped speed things up. <laughs> it was the cheese. <laughs> uh, All right, I'm taking notes here. Oh, mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to the business part of it, I was wondering if it's hard to find good employees. I have been really lucky in having wonderful employees. It was something that I knew that I needed in addition to, you know, my former full-time job and then running my business. I am really involved locally, so I sit on our local school board. At the time I opened my business, I was the vice chair, so that's about 15 hours a week. And then I also represent all of the school boards in the province of Saskatchewan as the vice president. So that's probably another, depending on the week, 10 to 25 hours. So I knew I would need help. And I really wanted to find just personable people. I think you can teach any information, whether it's wild and overly detailed cheese knowledge or how to use a point of sale system, but liking people and having good judgment and critical thinking skills is something that I really wanted to uh, to try and find. Describe your shop. Is that a place where people can go in there and like sit down and eat and drink? Or is it basically you come in, you buy your cheese and hit the road? It's more the latter, no promises, but in the early stages of exploring uh, getting a liquor license, because obviously with this much cheese in the shop, the next thing everyone asks for is, well, where can I buy a bottle of wine? Our liquor laws are a little bit of a schmoggle here. So in order to, to get a liquor license, I would either have to be a brewery or distillery, which I'm not, an off-sale, which I'm not, a liquor store, which I'm not, or a restaurant, which currently I'm not. So... There's not tables and chairs, but I think it would be a sage business decision to do a little investing and see if I can't find a way to bring some wine and some local craft beer into the shop and allow people to sit and have a a cheese board and a glass of wine. Going back to what Leslie said, though, as far as like your employees, because I got to imagine the people that are going into your shop and getting cheese, they don't just want to walk in. Hey, I want Gouda and leave. They probably want to talk a little bit. They want to learn about the cheese. I imagine your shop is kind of one of those where you want a little bit of experience out of it. Would that be true? Oh, absolutely. And uh, what I like in our shop, too, is uh, is really similar to a vineyard or a brewery where you go in and the staff are knowledgeable and it's friendly. And even though we don't have seating, I find most of our customers end up staying for around 10 to 15 minutes, conversation, learning. And you can also, and I think most importantly, sample all of our products. So similar to when you're, you know, buying a pineapple wheat sour beer, you might not know that you like that, but then you get a little sample at the brewery and you discover, oh, no, I actually deeply love pineapple wheat sours. So you walk home with a, a few cans of that. Similarly, at my place, you may not know that 
you love a raw sheet milk cheese from Spain washed in seawater, but then you try a couple nibbles and you discover, in fact, oh, you do love that cheese. And uh, you walk home with a little piece because I didn't want people spending, you know, ten, twelve dollars on a wedge of something and then feeling ripped off or that they didn't like it. You know, that's not fair. That is not fair. You're like the cheese Baskin Robbins. They get you every time. You, if I walked in there for like a little slice of Velveeta and then I get tasting all the other stuff, all of a sudden <laughs> I'm dropping like four hundred dollars on a wheel of provolone. <laughs> You are welcome to come drop $400 anytime you want. Uh-huh. I see how you are. To be honest, I have left stores with a wheel of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're focusing on the, the food experience because I am a person that asks, like, what cheese pairs well with this type of wine? And I want to taste it and, and figure out three to five that will go good on a charcuterie board. But I'm curious because we had a conversation on a previous podcast about millennials wanting that food experience do you find when people come into the store are they your typical millennial who's coming into your store and buying the products that's a great question and we absolutely have a lot of millennials that was one of our target markets when i first opened i knew i wanted millennials with a little bit of expendable income people who like you said are focused on that experiential transaction and i think that's a trend we see across industries but certainly in retail. And I also wanted to focus on baby boomers. It's something I've seen with my parents and it's something I've definitely seen in our clientele, whether they themselves are a little bit more adventurous or maybe they're traveling in the retirement or their kids have really traveled and opened their eyes to some new wild things that they wouldn't have had in their youth. I knew baby boomers and millennials were the people that I wanted to target starting out. But... I've been thrilled. We get people from all walks of life, all age groups. Like I have nine-year-old customers who come in who, you know, came along with their mom and then discovered that they were really passionate foodies. And so for their birthday, they get a gift card for the shop and, you know, they'll come in with like 763 left on the gift card and we try and cut them exactly 763 worth of cheese. So... (laughs) It's great. It's really kind of multi-generational. And, you know, like we sell ridiculous cheeses. Like I have one right now that's a raw milk cave age cloth bound cheddar from Scotland. The happy little cows who make it when they're not, you know, eating grass in the highlands, they get fed mash from the neighboring Scotch distillery. Oh my but I also love me some queso. So I really try and be an equal opportunity cheese enthusiast, you know, from Velveeta to the weird cave age cheddar from (laughs) Scotland. I fully support anybody's cheese preferences, whatever they are. You know what's not bad is that stuff in a can that you squeeze out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You put that right up to your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) That stuff literally lasts like two hours in my house. Yeah, it was a big stocking stuffer at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my random cheese question is, and I haven't figured this out, how do I store cheese after I open it when I'm at home? So if it's kind of your generic cheese, like say it's just a great marble cheese, and you know you're going to eat it in a couple weeks, you're okay to keep it in saran wrap or whatever. If it doesn't have that strong a flavor to start with, But what I always tell people, if you, 
you know, spent a little bit of money, or even if it's just something that you love, there is actual cheese paper that you can buy, and it's purpose-made for keeping cheese. It's called Ovatine. And what makes it so special is it allows the cheese to breathe without sucking in any of the flavors of, say, your refrigerator or the plastic from the saran wrap. That said, if you are not enthusiastic enough to, you know, invest in specific cheese paper, I say if it's something you really want to keep, a little bit of wax paper, or if you're really ambitious, some wax paper and throw it in a Tupperware as well, you'll be fine. The biggest concern with most cheese, especially in a place like Saskatchewan, where we're a very dry province, you don't want your cheese to dry out. If you look after it, it should keep in your refrigerator for two to three weeks. There's obviously always the chance that something very strange is happening in your fridge. But as long as you keep it wrapped relatively tightly in something like wax paper, you should be good for two to three weeks. What's the number one seller? Ooh, our number one seller is a really creamy cheese. It looks like a cheesecake uh, called Chateau Ooh. de Bourgogne. But a lot of people cannot pronounce that or they're intimidated by the lengthy French name, including my husband, who I make work for me over Christmas. And so he just calls it the Duchess because it's luscious and creamy and really decadent. And so now there's a dedicated following of people in, in town who call it the Duchess. That doesn't make you jealous that he sees the Duchess as being luscious. No, because I am his source of cheese. Ah. (laughs) I love to entertain, and my go-to is to have a cheese board when people come over. So if I was selecting three to five cheeses to put on a board for a group of people, what should I choose? So the traditional cheese board has a soft cheese, a hard cheese, and a blue cheese. Traditionally, again, three to five cheeses is about as many or as few as you'd want because you do want both that selection, but you also don't want to overwhelm people and you want people to be able to get a little bit of each one. What I normally do is I take a really soft one and then for my hard cheese, I'll try and pick either a a sheep or a goat cheese so that people get to experience a different kind of milk and the different flavor profile that that can bring. And then personally, I love blue cheese. I eat blue cheese for lunch probably twice a week, but not everyone does. So depending on the group, sometimes I will swap out the blue cheese for like a really hard kind of crunchy cheese, like an old Gouda or a cheddar. All of that said, I think you should just buy what you like. Sure, the French will tell you soft cheese, hard cheese, blue cheese, but honestly, buy what you love and enjoy it. I like that. The hard thing is you just don't know what you like, because even like that with that cheese that you said that was the Duchess or whatever, you have cheeses, but you just don't know what they are. I don't know why I don't ask. It's just, I don't know, you almost feel intimidated to say, hey, what cheese is this? Because then you sound like an idiot. Yeah, but I mean, how many people are, are out there who know more than you would ever want to about any one kind of cheese. That's how I feel with meat. Like if I go into a butcher, I just point because <laughs> I don't know many cuts or what cuts are good. Or, but I feel more comfortable in a cheese exactly store. exactly the same way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alina, I'm looking at your Twitter. And by the way, you're not following me back, but that's okay. I mean, that's your oh, choice. That's really? your choice. It's your choice. 
I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it hurts a little, but yeah. It appears you're into politics a little bit. I mean, I see you wearing uh, I Love Trump uh, shirt all the time. Yeah, definitely consistent with the brand and, you know, imported cheese. <laughs> so you have delved into politics a little though, right? I have. What was the uh, the catalyst for that? So I wish, again, that I had a good answer for this, but this is something that I've just always been interested in since I was really, really small. I grew up in and around Ottawa, Canada's capital, where our parliament and seat of government is. And even though my parents aren't, you know, politically involved at all, I think it just kind of permeated my little five-year-old lizard brain. Apocryphal story in my family is that when we had our first female prime minister... I think I would have been about five or six years old. I heard it on the radio come through because it was, you know, a historic moment and burst into tears and was just inconsolable because I wanted to be, at that point, Canada's first female prime minister and principal ballerina with our national ballet school. So (laughs) it's always been You would be really busy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I like to stay busy. But, when I, you know, when I was in high school, there were issues that I was really passionate about, you know, landmines and child labor and kind of those bigger, bigger international issues and ending homelessness and some of these things that, again, I was just so passionate about as a kid. And for whatever reason, the outlet that I saw for hopefully trying to impact some positive change while also, you know, serving your community and all of those kind of tropes like local involvement in politics. Yeah, if you're going to go far in politics, you need a better story than that. Those guys make up stuff all the damn time. I know, but I don't like that kind of fake narrative. It's, I don't know, maybe this is going to be my downfall. Uh, yeah, you need to set up some situation where, where you save somebody, you save a cat from a tree or something like that. You need to do better. I'm just looking at one of your shirts that you're wearing, and the shirt says, a woman's place is council chambers, the legislature, the House of Commons, the Senate. High five. Thank you. There's still not enough women in elected office. We make up over 50% of the population. Certainly where I live, I believe we're at about 56%. And we still make up under 20% of the elected representation. And that's something I think more of us need to lean into or find ways to make it work for us, whether it's you know, childcare or things like that. A girlfriend of mine is provincial representative here in town, and uh, she just had a baby, and there were no parental leave rules provincially. So for her to be able to hypothetically take even, let's say, three, six weeks off, which is quite short for maternity leave in Canada, they actually had to change accommodation laws, which is wild to me because it's you know, 2019. But all that is to say there is more work to do. And I look around at some of the people doing that work and I'm very inspired. Yeah, I see that shirt now. Did you get that at the Canadian Tire? It's a nonpartisan women first group out of Alberta, our neighboring province, and they're called Madam Premier. So it's made up of former political staffers from various parties and partisanships who are focused on electing more women. Wow, it's a kind of sexist that I can't buy a shirt like that. Who says you can? You can, you can wear a shirt saying elect more women. I'd rather spend my money on cheese. How about that? 
I appreciate that. <laughs> Alina Young from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, first of all, <laughs> thank you for the cheese advice because, I mean, it's like we've looked behind the curtain on a cheese expert, the cheese wizard. So thank you on that. Uh, you're very interesting, and congratulations on opening the store. Th- that takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like that. So I want to give you some props for that. But thank you for being on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. And uh, you guys are hilarious. I was laughing silently in the background during your whole introduction about cheese. (laughs) Anyone out there thinking of starting your own business, I cannot think of something I've enjoyed more in my life. After the second day, I thought, you know what, even if nobody ever comes in again and all of a sudden I have to pay off a five-figure startup loan, this was totally the right choice for me. So I would really encourage anyone thinking of it, you know, put the work in and think critically about it, but take the plunge. It's great. Thank you guys again for having me. I really appreciate it. Alina, tell everybody where they can find you, like on social media and that. Okay. So on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I am at TakeawayYQR. And if you happen to be in the Queen City, we're located at 2124 Robinson Street and free cheese samples for all. I can't wait to go and have the Duchess. The Duchess, the luscious Duchess. Yes, thank you. Well, Alina and Leslie, thank you very much. And to everybody else, we hope you catch us next time. Bye. Bye.